This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! Take a shot! Oh, my goal! My goal! post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Gets to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! There's a game against Manchester City coming up this week. So I thought it was only best that we preview this game by having a little slant elsewhere. And for that, I have called two people up. I've I've gone north, perhaps too north for this game. So first of all, friend of the pod, Paul Caddis is here. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? Never go too north, (laughs) Rach. Absolutely not. It's good to have you back. And making his debut, but he has been mentioned on the pod several times previously it's cousin mikey hello mikey hey that's how we doing yeah i'm good thank you and the podcast listeners will know that you're a hibs fan but you've also got a soft spot for a certain manchester city is this is this plastic behavior or is this a a long-term romance no it was a long-term romance a very strange and wonderful progression growing up and it was more footballers i admired more than clubs and it was ironically Peter Schmeichel, who was one of my heroes when I was a very young kid. Mm-hmm. And then when I got more properly into football, he happened to just be at Manchester City at that point in time, not the Manchester he's mostly known for. And from there on, the love affair just continued. I always remember the day City got bought off Sheikh Mansour. I was in college and all my mates were going, Mikey, City have just bought Robinho and I'm turning around going, what are you guys on about? I thought everyone was taking the mick out of me that day with talk of... Abu Dhabi billionaires buying the club, but that turned out to be a great day. 
oh man, I'm still waiting for the day those millions and millions and millions arrive, maybe in you know less controversial fashion for Swindon, but you know, okay, so Swindon Town versus Manchester City live on ITV. It's a big, big game, probably going to be one of our biggest games of the decades. And I'm just kind of just thinking how Swindon sort of approach this, Paul, because as, as I was saying off mic, if, if Manchester City were to play a strongish team, they should be Swindon 5-6-0. If they play their full strength team, they should be beating us 7-8-9-0. But it's almost certain that they're going to play a mixed blend of experience and under 23s my stance is that we should just enjoy it you know give it a go and not worry about what the final score will be but what's the reality uh as a footballer listen it's that old cliche take every game is the same but there's it's a massive game in it and the boys will be absolutely buzzing for it buzzing for it there'll be a buzz about the place there'll be a buzz about the town everybody will be talking about it obviously they've come off a a good result as well at the weekend, so they'll be uh, they'll be in positive spirits, and there's absolutely no pressure on Swindon whatsoever. And sometimes that can go for you. Listen, Man City, whatever team they play, they could play an under twenty three team that could be worth over five hundred million quid. So that's just the the state of affairs that that Swindon are up against. But just it's almost an occasion for Swindon rather than a football match. Uh, just go and enjoy it. That's all we can really do as a player because ten fifteen. 10 years maybe down the line for some of those lads, their career's over and it's, those are the moments that you look back on and it could be something silly like nutmeg and Jack Grealish or hmm. hitting the post in the last minute to take it in. Do you know what I mean? It's just something, Just you just want to be remem- remember that game for something positive. Yeah, we, we talked about nutmegs in the last episode of the pod, you know, fully aware that we're probably not going to win. So let's, let's try and humiliate someone along the way. Mikey, as, as a Manchester City fan, what, how do you look at these sort of games? Are they kind of just like an inconvenience from the big show, the circus that is the Premier League? Or is it kind of nice to have the novelty of playing a team that you haven't played for like 20 years? Is, is, is it is what what is this experience for you guys? I always think these games are more like a banana skin than anything else. I think, especially in the FA Cup, people can think not too long ago when Wigan beat us in the cup final. There is always that worry that it could be the banana skin you slip on, because people always seem to remember these ones long ago. Um, but at the same time, I think it's something Guardiola always does. He respects everyone, so it is a bit of you always need to respect the opposition when you go into the game. Yeah. That's a question for you from the Swindon point of view. Mm. How much of a, how important is this game? Because at the same time, it is a larger club coming to the game, but you've got such a busy fix, fixture schedule ahead of you. Would you almost risk being a bit more pragmatic and resting players for this game since your larger goal would be promotion? Well, well I absolutely ask the questions here, Mikey. What's going on? You're the first... <laughs> Um, you've got to play your bet. I mean, you've, you've got to play your first team squads from a Swindon point of view. One, because there's not a huge amount of depth in our side. So the more players you rest, the, the bigger the, the scoreline goes up the other way. Um, and also these players, you know, they're League Two. This is the game they dream of, right? If you can't be at Wembley, it needs to be at County Ground under lights against one of the 
biggest teams in the world at this moment in time. So if you if you rest Harry McCurdy because he's got to focus on Mansfield in a few days' time, I'm not so sure Harry McCurdy would be so pleased with that. Paul, it, it has to be the first team, doesn't it? It has to be, yeah, but I can understand what Mike's saying as well. Listen, there's obviously bigger things in the season, but I think the way the Swindon players will look at it, Put it this way, good luck to Ben Garner if he's going to pull one of the lads and say, listen, you're not playing Friday night because we're resting for Tuesday against Mansfield because we want you to play there. So good luck to him. But no, I think he'll play the full team. I think, uh, as I touched on earlier, I think it's more of an occasion than a football match for Swindon at this moment in time. And Swindon's main aim is obviously to get promoted out of the league. But this is a, a welcome distraction, I would say. Yeah, I, th- I think there's only a couple of headaches for Ben Garner going into this game, and it's mostly defensive. Uh, Romney Critchlow has just come back, and Dion Conroy's just come back from suspension. He's also just signed a new uh, player as well, O'Brien from from Crystal Palace on loan. And it would be incredibly harsh, you know, to for players like Rob Hunt to disappear from the starting lineup, having played quite well recently. But there should be no sentiment in these sort of games. I do wonder. Dion Conroy hasn't played for almost a month because of, you know, COVID postponements and suspension. Yeah. He, might, he might feel that, mightn't he? But um, that's that's Ben Garner's job. That's why he's paid the money to make those sort of decisions. Mike, Mike you talked about Guardiola and the way he respects this competition and he respects the teams that they play. And I think a lot of people, when they were putting their 30, 35 quid down to watch this game, they had one sort of thought on the fact that they were spending a lot of money which on what could be a glorified Papa John's trophy fixture because we all know that they're going to utilise some of the under-21s, if not more than, than half of the squads. But he does have a track record of playing a decent side against teams at this level, doesn't he? Yeah, no, 100%, Rich. Um, I would definitely say respect's a big word for Pep, regardless of who the opposition is. And if you were to look back at his track record, it's definitely not that of other managers would have saw. Perhaps if you're looking at Arsene Wenger, especially in the League Cup, Arsene would rotate heavily his squads, nearly all first-team players being out in that tournament. And if we were to look at past fixtures, things like um, Wickham this season, Foden, De Bruyne, Mares. Torres and Sterling all started in last season at Cheltenham. Um, over half the squad was the regular first-team players. From that, even added in Eric Garcia and Laporte in the defence. Um, in the Wickham game, it was mostly an under-21, under-23 defence that he played. Um, so I would definitely sort of expect some big-name players in there. And I think, as you said in the preamble there, um, people like Grealish, um, who didn't start against Arsenal at the weekend, I would almost guarantee to start this game. Yeah, and I think that would go a long way to please a lot of Swindon Town fans. Who is definitely out? So Mares is is out because he's at the AFCON. Um, who else is definitely not going to feature? Um, John Stones will definitely not feature him. He's still on the coronavirus watch. Zinchenko, he, I think, believe he was a close contact. Um, so he may be back, but it's a question mark over it, depending on what the rules are. Um, different sites were giving you different information on that. <laughs> Bar that, it was mostly a strong enough squad. Um, don't leave us too many other players out. Yeah. Yeah, this this is normally a classic Zinchenko game, isn't it? This is the one that they always wheel him out on. Um, and doesn't normally play that badly, really, does he? But this is perfect. Yeah, he's, a, he's a top player whenever he gets his opportunity. Um, plays all over the park, midfield and at left back. Um, 
he is a great little player. I'm not looking forward to seeing Scotland playing Ukraine with him in the field. <laughs> <laughs> I'd normally sort of say something about like uh, moving on, but there's, it's two Scots versus one here. So, uh, yeah, um, I don't... I, I, Good luck to you. Good luck to you against Ukraine. We're all rooting for you. Um, the podcast has Wales fans, but that's up the Scots, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So in terms of the under-23s or under-21s, sticking with Mike, the Manchester Even News have already sort of gleefully declared that a under-23s fixture scheduled for Friday has been moved to Sunday. So that means Pep can field his under-23 players if he so wishes, which of course is what he'll do. Who are the ones that are almost certainly going to feature in that squad and who should we look out for? I think for the rotated players, um, there's a lot of different players with different levels of experience who could come in. I would definitely expect um, Ederson to be dropped. I'd be expecting the American international, Jack Stefan, um, to come in, 26-year-old keeper, He's played a lot of games in the Bundesliga and in the MLS at places like Columbus Crew. Um, so I must admit, it's not too much of a drop-off there, obviously. It's not Ederson, who I believe it was Warnock, said, what chance have you got when the goalkeeper's a better passer than my, my midfielders? Because <laughs> um, Ederson does have a beautiful foot on him for his passing abilities. Um, after that, I'll be looking at things like the left-back, Luke Bolton. He's another player with some first-team experience on them. Um, I was surprised he was still at City with the experience he does have in the lower leagues in England and in Scotland. I think he's got over 58 first-team appearances, but he's still playing in under-23s at City. Um, I would say a bit more of your exciting prospects. Um, one player I did like the story of was Romelu, I'm going to hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Lavia. Um, he's an aggressive holding midfielder. And the story I liked was Kevin De Bruyne held a tournament and invited the player along, and Guardiola was also there. And his performances in that tournament resulted in Guardiola signing him from the Anderlecht under-20s. And he's been fast-tracked through all the way through the age rankings already. Um, I think Cole Palmer, the England under-120 international. Um, great attacking forward and player. I think the QB a real exciting prospect. And the one I'm praying does get a start, if you watch him on the highlights and things for the Manchester City youth teams, is a Brazilian called Kaiki. I've checked about three times to make sure my pronunciation is correct on that one. Um, he's a young um, Brazilian prospect and his goal against Leeds in the youth game the other day was beautiful. A pass to the side and he's just chipped the goalie. Um, that's one player I really am hoping to see play. Yeah, Paul, you're Northwest based. Um, did, did, did any of these players hit the radar? No, I've heard a few. I've heard a few of the names, obviously. Let's see it from a Swindon player's point of view. Me personally, I'd be gutted if I was playing against the majority of the 23s because try and put this respectively, you're playing against probably the world-class youngsters compared to world-class international, fully-fledged internationalists. You'd rather be beaten by, obviously, the world-class, fully-fledged internationalists than, than youngsters. It's almost, it doesn't add the pressure to you, but it's almost like, oh, there's a few youngsters playing here who might have a chance. It's just, you start to feel it around the stands and that. It's like, oh, we might have a chance here. There's five or six 18, 19-year-olds playing. These five or six 18, 19 year olds I played against Man City under 15s about six weeks ago with Fleetwood, and they've been brought in from 13 years of age and they come in like three times a week as part of like the school program. So they've been nurtured from that age and they're hitting 16, 17, and they've got the ability 20, 21 year olds. So 
it's difficult playing against players that are that good, that are that young, that you feel like an 18, 19-year-old's going past you or whatever, and you think, but you, you do, you start to feel that in the crowd, and it's like, wait a minute, here, we've got five or six <laughs> 19, 20-year-olds, we might have a chance. I'm just impressed you got away with playing in an under-15 game, Paul. <laughs> I played right back as well, I got absolutely roasted. <laughs> Again, you, you played against Jack Grealish when he was early in his career as well, didn't you? In the cup, when yeah, I played against him with Birmingham, he was at Villa, yeah, the, the derby. Uh, he started on the bench actually. We were, were we 1 0 up, I think we were 1 0 up, and sure enough, they brought him on after about 60 minutes and changed the game and they beat us 2 1. Mm, doesn't but sound he, like we were playing against uh Mares as well when his debut for Leicester he came off the bench. I remember, uh, and I was at Birmingham and I was marking David Nugent at a corner. And he came on left wing and David Nugent just turned around to me and said, good luck, cards. <laughs> I went, what do you mean? He went, this boy's feet is incredible. And sure enough, he's obviously kept right on. But yeah, I remember that day as well. He did all right, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> one of, one of the, the main reasons that I wanted you on, Paul, was because you've you've got kind of got a unique sort of experience because you've seen both sides of it because of course you started your career at at Celtic and Celtic are expected to win every week you know even against Rangers and even against Hibs so it's one of these it's one of I'm just interested to know about how the big teams prepare for these games where you almost don't even think about the notion that you might lose or struggle but you've got also guard yourselves from being complacent and, and yeah. letting standards slip. How, how, do, how do you approach that? Well, at Celtic, it was, you're almost a, a machine. You were, regardless of who was in front of you, you were expected to steamroll them. So you just got that into that mentality. And, and going off, listen, I haven't been in the Man City dressing room, of course, but going off the documentaries and stuff like that, we see, you can see Pep Guardiola will treat Swindon exactly the same way you treat Manchester United or Liverpool. So I don't think there'll be any complacency on, on their side. So the pressure will, obviously, there's no pressure on Swindon, but when I was at Celtic, yeah, it was it was literally whoever was in front of you, you've got to beat. The Champions League games were obviously a bit different when you, when you went away to, away to Barcelona or at home to, to PSG. Or, I remember on the odd occasion when you're at home to like Barcelona and they're, they're soaked in unbelievable talent. The, road, the, the crowd, when you, you used to want to throw in maybe 15 yards for goal, it'd be as if you'd scored a goal. So, like, I, I, I sense that's the way it's going to be at Swindon as well. You win a corner, the place will erupt. So just small things like that are, are different to what a normal Saturday at 3 o'clock game would be. So hopefully that can kick on Swindon. And listen, it's a game, you never know. <laughs> Oh, thank you for not saying fairy tale or anything like that. Mikey, I, I, something Paul was saying there, I was watching before the um, Swindon-Northampton game, I was watching the Man City game at Arsenal, and I was really taken aback with the fact that the Arsenal fans were almost cheering everything on, especially when they were 1-0 up, as if they were a League One team in the FA Cup playing Man City. And it, uh, it it was really notable and Arsenal, huge team. They shouldn't be, you know, the fans shouldn't be reacting like that. But it, it is very much the case with this side, isn't it, when you're playing them? I also think it's more of the style that Pep does. You can see it in the Premiership against some of the best teams in the world. It's dominating possession and things like that. It's a bit of a scary prospect, I think, especially for the opposition teams and fans when City do come, which for someone who's supported them a little while is definitely a contrast to the way it used to be. Um 
I'd imagine that is just a case of when you're doing well against a team, you were perhaps not looking forward to coming down the road and you're doing so well against them, you do celebrate it a little bit bigger and a little bit more. Yeah. Paul, you kind of drifted into it earlier, but again, you've, you've experienced it as a part of the Celtic machine, but you've also had to prep for games throughout your career as the underdog, for want of a better phrase. I mean, one of your first games was, you know, taking on Ronaldinho, Messi and co for Bar- against Barcelona. And then obviously you, you played for Swindon when we beat Premier League Wigan when we were in League Two. What's what's the contrast like of of preparing to try and beat a team that you shouldn't beat really? It's a little bit more relaxed, I'll be honest. When, when you're the underdog, the week is a little bit more relaxed. It's probably believe it or not, less said that week about Sunnington Swindon. There's probably not as much said this week than what there would be Sunday, Monday in the lead up to, to Mansfield, simply because you're playing against players that you know everything about or you watch them all the time. But yeah, the difference is, I would say, it's a lot more relaxed when you're underdog. When when you're going in, for instance, again, Swindon will be expected, well, they'll be expecting obviously in-house to, to beat Mansfield so the pressures there are different uh, you can enjoy both but for me personally I always prefer the pressure of expecting to win I think that's better because the underdog you can relax too much I think at times Is that the same and does that reflect in the early moments of a game when you've sort of like you pumped yourself up for it as an underdog and then it kind of just it just doesn't translate as much on the pitch? No, yeah, it is because seeing you go on the pitch, you've got this pride that as much as you think you're the underdog, listen, you've got personal pride, you want to do well, first and foremost, obviously for your team, but yourself as well. So, yeah, it, it is quite deflating because you always, I went throughout my career, and I always expected players to be so much better than they actually were. Maybe that was me being harsh on myself, maybe I was better than I thought, or my team was better than I thought, but you always go out there and you think, these guys are like robots. I'm never getting anywhere near them. I would never be able to tackle them. I wouldn't be able to pass past them. And then you get out there and you string a couple of passes together and you think, listen, they're just human. Or they play a back pass that's short and you nearly get in there and you think, no, this, this that happens in our league, so <laughs> it's normal. So, yeah, it, it does kind of relieve a bit when you get out there and you just sort of go on, mate. You've just got to play the, play the game pretty much and just go on, mate, and take the game for what it is. Yeah. Mikey... The last time Swindon had one of the big hitters was quite some time ago. About when we played Chelsea in the League Cup, Jose Mourinho fielded a side full of internationals. But I don't know if it was respectful. I think something Mourinho did a lot in his career is kind of just get to 2 0 and then just pass it around with very little intensity. Do you think Guardiola will, will do the same? I mean, one thing that I find remarkable about Pep Guardiola, given the amount of respect that he has, is they win big a lot. And usually these respectful managers kind of go, just, it's four, just leave them alone now. Just, we, we've had our fun. But this side wins seven, eight, nil, seem, seemingly, or at least scores six quite often. Do you think he would happily twist the knife on Swindon? Or do you think he would he would go easy if it was to go the bad way? But also, how do you unpick this side? Yeah, I must admit, I think it's a hard one to unpick. Um, occasionally in the big, big games, I think 
Pep kind of almost unpicks himself. He's been accused of occasionally overthinking the opposition instead of trusting his own players and style. When it comes to, I suppose, asking about almost respect versus brutality thereof, Pep and the way his teams play, I think it is almost he refuses to let anyone drop their standards. And it's something that has been talked about so much as the standards he does keep at City for everything. Um, I think it was Grealish and Foden were told they were allowed out the next again day they turned up, not in the greatest nick which that was reported. And Pep obviously wasn't happy because I think it's at City the standards they've kept to 24-7. Um, if it comes to the Swindon game and it does get a little bit crazy, I don't think he would encourage them to keep going, put it that way. But at the same time, I don't think he would ever tell someone not to go at 100 miles an hour. Paul, you're not a, you're not a drinker, but were you ever told that you could go out only to like struggle the next day because you've been watching Netflix all day? I can't say I have no, and I can't say I would either. But there was a there was actually an occasion at Birmingham when a couple of we got we got absolute hammered from Bournemouth and a couple of lads ended. I think we beat eight 0 A couple of lads ended up going out, and you can imagine what the what happened after that. They were spotted by fans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No, do tell. <laughs> well, they get spotted in uh, the village hotel. Thought they were having a quiet one. And uh, turned out there was um, probably about 15, 20 diehard Birmingham fans and all hell broke loose. And yeah, it was never, never, never allowed out. Gordon Strachan used to ban, got to a point where he banned the lads from going anywhere in Scotland. And he used to say, You've got plenty of money. If you want to go anywhere, get a flight and go to London because, no, in his terms, nobody will know you down there, pretty much. So, uh, yeah, he used to ban. He, he was proper strict. He didn't like uh, golf four days before a game and stuff like that. Yeah, more examples of why Gordon Strachan's one of the greats of, of man management, really oh, is. <laughs> Paul, you've watched Swindon a few times covering them for BBC Radio Wiltshire this season. So you've seen how Ben Garner likes to set up. And, you know, you might correct me because I'm not exactly the most tactically astute football fan by my own admission. But I always sort of see Ben Garner as somebody who likes to sort of slow and steady wins the race. We never go out there all guns blazing and we tend to turn it up a little bit more as the game progresses snatching um wins in the second half that can't happen against man city you can't just go slow and steady i mean i I, most of me thinks like if he wants to go for it he's got to do it very quickly and let us have our moment or not at all because the more time you give manchester city just the more time they're just gonna mess with our heads aren't they awesome it's difficult. What would they do? As you said, do you go for it for the first 20 minutes and then you're 3-0 down and the game's the game's finished? Or do you hang in there and hopefully you get to half-time, 0-0, and start to try and express yourself a bit more in the second half? But I've noticed this season that the, the times I've seen Swindon, they almost start with a back five, like Ellis and is it Kessler Hayden sometimes. They, they do start as full-backs first 20-25 minutes, as you said, like they do become quite solid as a back five, and it's as if they, they try and get a base and and almost like I don't know if bores the word, but like bore the opposition to into like get them to submit basically for them to then start committing, and then the two fullbacks start going a bit higher, and then they can get to the other side of the the front players, the, the opposition front players. So 
But listen, you're playing against the best players in the world, hopefully. So I don't know. What, what would you what would you rather sitting in the stands? Would you rather like, I know you might be asking questions here, Rich, but would you rather <laughs> went for it for twenty five minutes, half an hour, or would you rather it's a difficult one, isn't it? It, it? Yeah, because I mean, the only legacy issue that there is in this is if we get absolutely tonked, that they might have a detrimental psychological impact on them yeah. um, going into the league fixtures. But other than that, I, you know, there's a one-off fixture. There's no replay, so we, you know, the owners can't pray for a money-spinning no, draw no. Um, going. Um, back up to Manchester so it's it's all or nothing and I like to see them sort of rattle Manchester City a little bit you know they would have done their research their homework and see how Swindon set up and to go against that would be fun I'm not going to be offended if if Swindon lose this game heavily I'm not going to be annoyed all I really want is a goal as you know Paul we've had we've had our fair share of big games in the last sort of decade or so whether they're at Wembley or uh, or at the county ground, we never seem to score against the big sides, and you can't get much bigger than Manchester City right now. So even if we we lose heavily, just to, just to have a moment, like Cheltenham had a couple of years ago, where or a year or so ago, where they took the lead and forced Pep to put on better players to yeah. to get the job done. That that would be that would be a nice way, but ultimately, without having to concede, you know, it it really is just an exhibition game to a degree for me. You know, just it'll be interesting as well, Rich, because I've not seen I done the Barrow Swindon game and Bar you know Mark Cooper likes to keep the ball. Mm. And it was a great advert for League Two, two, two teams. So it'll be interesting to see how Swindon react not having the ball. Because the majority of the games this year they're the possession based team. Yeah. What I've seen anyway. So it'll be interesting now to see what they're like off the ball. So it'll be a test for them off the ball compared to, to constantly having it and, and moving it around and and as you say, moving it slow to start with and then try to pick the pace up later on in the game. So it'll be interesting, first of all, if Man City will allow them to have it and when they do have it. Yeah, Mikey, are they, are they going to start the game quickly or are they just going to size Swindon up and just tap it around and then just force the issue? I think it's definitely a question of which players start is the big one. I think if someone like De Bruyne was to be playing, in that case, you know, he is not someone who likes anything going wrong. Um, he'll try and keep the standards straight to the very highest. Um, I do think one thing I'd be curious about is almost a physicality standpoint of City aren't the tallest team of at times. Um, set pieces give me a little bit of a worry. Um, but also if Swindon were to sit back, there's not exactly anyone to cross the ball to. It's one thing City do not have is more of an out-and-out striker. Even Jesus, I think the best I've ever saw him play was against Madrid at left wing. Um, so if it was to be a backs to the wall draw from Swindon and City was struggling a bit to break them down. They can't just put the ball into like a Chelsea or Lukaku or something. It's going to be a bit more of a harder time if it was to get a little bit clunky, shall we say. Yeah, I'm I'm sure De Bruyne would want to play against Swindon potentially because we kind of ruined his Chelsea career um, despite Chelsea beating us comfortably 2-0. I think Jose Mourinho saw enough of De Bruyne that day to warrant him not needed anymore. So, um, maybe he'd want to come back and um, show Swindon fans what he's really all about. I think he's definitely a player you don't want to have a grudge against you, Rich. That's a guarantee. Um, I put him up there as maybe the best midfielder in the world, personally, when he's fit. And that is why I wanted to see him at the county ground. You know, I, yeah. I want all the big hitters. Obviously, it's not going to happen. But and the, those who will replace 
the, the, the best players are going to be future internationals, you know, so it's one of those situations where we'll look back at the lineup in about five years time and go, Oh, okay. That guy played. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. Paul predict me a score. <laughs> You're putting massive pressure on me here. Uh, listen, if Swindon can keep it below, as Mike said, depends on the team. A full strength team, if Swindon can keep it below four, it's respectable. You've, you've mentioned yourself, Rich. Man City have scored five, six, seven. I think scored eight at one point this year against Premier League players, Premier League opposition. So if they can't, if they play against a younger team, I'm going to be one of those cynics that I was almost slagging earlier and say, they might have a chance, physicality, possibly, as Mike mentioned again, just... But I don't know how Swindon's physicality can win them against them. They're not a massive physical team. They don't. They like to pass the ball and they like to be be technical more than physical, don't they? So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, our, our disciplinary record isn't good, but it tends to be sort of petulant fouls and, and like descent, doesn't it? Descent, obviously, isn't it? Like, yeah. Just... Yeah, it's not really like over physical challenges and stuff like that. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. It's going to be the first time actually thinking about it that Marcus, the groundsman, could have been for a better step because the pitch is probably very good and that was super insane, wasn't it? Don't. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. As long as, as, you know, if we give them a good pitch, that's all well and good. But I hope they don't play like Blue Moon for the City fans like they played baggy trousers for Chelsea fans when they came down. Properly catered for them. I was disgusted. (laughs) <laughs> Mikey, give me give me a prediction. Actually, I'm I'm not going to be as pessimistic as you guys from a Swindon point of view. I'm actually going to go maybe three one or four one. I'll take that. Well, can Swindon take the lead? Here's your goal. Here's, here's your goal. Where's well, my yeah. goal? Can we take the lead or equalise? I don't think Pep would like that one. I'd be a little bit more worried if I was yourself in case anyone came off the bench at that point. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go like Man City take the lead, Swindon equalise in about the 70th minute, and that means he's got to bring on all of his uh all of his superstars that he's brought along with him. We'll go with that. Yeah, no, I do think um as one just to enjoy, I think, you know, Paul and yourself have said that just enjoy the big name players. That's why people travel to go and see them and things like that. So let's make sure that's a good day. Yeah, so it's agreed. 1-0 Swindon, LSI Andalo in the 96th minute. That's what we're taking. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Cheers, Rich. Cheers, Rich. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.